Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. All right. Hey, what's up, Saints of God 300? You rebels and rejects in the cave waiting to storm the land for King Jesus. My name is Joe Salant, and I will be joined shortly by uh, by my by the by the host of the War Room, Bill Evans. Uh, I'm just the co-host, you know. And we are going to be discussing today uh, some of the recent events that have been going on in the uh, in the war, in the battle. Hey, there we go, there we go. So we got Bill Evans that is that is joining us on our uh, Facebook Live audience. The one and only. Let me see if I can bring him on camera. Here we go. It says it's adding. This will be our first, our first podcast with this format. Joe Salant, Bill Evans, come to us. Ah, there we go. <laughs> hey, Bill Evans, welcome to the War Room. How you doing, big dog? Uh, I'm all right. Let's test first time this. Uh, can you hear me? How's how's my sound? I tell you what. I- How's my sound, man? Am I good? You're all right. I can hear. I can make you out. It's. I, I probably should have done the uh, Bluetooth, but we're all right. You want to take a second and go get your Bluetooth? Um, would that be better for you? You think? I mean, you sound fine to me. No, it, I can. Hear it, does that, everybody in the audience? Can y'all hear Bill? Hold on, hold on, Bill. Can y'all hear Bill? All right. Can everybody in the audience hear Bill? Go ahead, Bill. Do a sound check. Uh, testing Bill, one, two. Can you say something? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Colin, so Bill's coming across. Can you hear well. me okay? Okay, good. So we're good. We're good to go. We're good to go. So all right. first of all, I'd like to apologize to y'all for um, for not having a war room for y'all last like two or three weeks or whatnot or whatever. Uh, but we are back rocking and rolling live. There have been some awesome, Colin. Thank you. There have been some, you know, events, you know, that have been happening lately, especially in the field of abolition. And what we would like to, you know, open open off with, of course, start off the show with, was the Dan Fisher event in Oklahoma City. And uh, over the last weekend, it started out last Friday, and it went until uh, – until yesterday, uh, abolitionists, about 400, descended from around the country upon Oklahoma City to support a candidate for governor that says if he, if he gets the vote, if he gets his butt in that executive seat, that he will abolish abortion. None of the pro-life, he said, I'm not a pro-life politician, I am an abolitionist. 
100% abolitionist, Dan Fisher, the first serious abolitionist gubernatorial candidate, uh, you know, in the whole war to abolish abortion, in the whole war against, the, uh, against abortion, Dan Fisher. And he was the one, he, and so we had this for four days, and this was the conference right here, and his whole goal is to assert state sovereignty to abolish abortion. And I was only up there for Friday, and I got to see the kickoff event. Uh, Joel McDermott had just brought the house down to kick it off. Uh, Matt Trujillo did an amazing job. Rusty Thomas was up there uh, rocking and rolling. And Dan Fisher, I mean, he was, look, I'm not just going to check the box because it's my team. Quite impressive. Quite impressive uh, with the message. He does not seem like a man who is wavering, like he's there for the moment whatsoever for any kind of purpose other than for uh, asserting state sovereignty, abolishing abortion, and representing the law of God against the evil of our age, which is child sacrifice, not only in the field of abortion, of course. That's the low-hanging that um so to summarize kind of what happened you know there was some teaching on friday and saturday um but really what happened was the abolitionists took to the streets it, like really the, it all happened when i left i had to go back down um yeah callie i, I understand what's going on I'll, I'll get to that in a second brother um as a matter of fact Hold on. Let's do this. Let's text. Hey, Callie, are you ready to come on the? Uh, will you? Are you ready to come on the war room and talk about a little bit of the activism that happened right now? Are you in a position right now where you can come on camera? It's okay if you can't. Uh, go ahead and give me the thumbs up or the thumbs down right here. Let's see if we can bring you on too. Anyway, uh, what happened was there was some teaching going on on Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, the abolitionists basically turned. Oklahoma City upside down. They went to the to the murder mill. They 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 actually named the murder mill in Oklahoma City after the current governor, Mary Fallon, because Mary Fallon is a pro-life politician. So they named the abortion mill after her because she's the one keeping it open. And uh, they did some agitation in the street, brought the gospel of the kingdom of God uh, against, uh, uh, you know, against the forces of darkness out there in Oklahoma City. There we go. We got Callie. Callie, why don't, while we're talking about the activism, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what was going on there? Let me let's bring Callie on. Oh, hey, Callie, are you on a um, are you on your laptop or are you on a cell phone? If you're not on a smartphone, I cannot bring you on. Yeah, if you're not on a smartphone, I cannot bring you on. But um, anyway, look, at the at the end of the day, um, yeah, I'm not having, I don't have the button to bring you on here, Kelly. Um, at the end of the day, Dan's, Dan's platform for abolishing abortion, uh, it, it's not just a, it's not just a catchphrase. Here, here's what he's going to do. And, and let's talk about this, Bill. All right. If we elect Dan Fisher governor of Oklahoma, and this is why this is so huge. This is why this isn't just about Oklahoma. This is about a model to abolish abortion anywhere using the gubernatorial race. So the first thing that he is going to do, yeah, that's really weird, Callie. I can't, for whatever reason, it's not giving me the option to bring you on. That's strange. That's strange. Um, well, anyway, we got to do we got to do a war room with you, Callie. You have the longest uh, invite running, and that's our fault. Um, okay. So his first his first thing is if if Dan Fisher gets elected. 
as the governor of Oklahoma. His first option number, agenda number one, agenda point number one is he's going to call an emergency session of the Oklahoma legislature to criminalize abortion as murder and to remove abortion from the jurisdiction of the Oklahoma courts. So that's the first thing. And the Oklahoma legislature is packed full of pro-life politicians. So that shouldn't be a problem, right? Well, I don't, (laughs) personally, (laughs) you know, Bill and I were discussing this earlier today. Do you think, Bill, what do you think? I mean, what's your, what's your, what's your first hunch? You think those Republicans in the Oklahoma uh, legislature, these pro-life humanistic politicians will, uh, will put a bill on Dan Fisher's desk if he's elected governor? To criminalize abortion no. and murder? What do you think, Bill? No. No. No? They, uh, no. Legislators vote their wallets. They, they, they're going to they're, they're vote the way the special interest supporters, lobbyists pay them to vote. That's my, now, maybe that sounds cynical. Now, again, I don't want to say anything that would be perceived as being critical of Dan Fisher, the man. I think he is a, is a, is a courageous brother, and uh, and 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 he's he's got the right got the right position. My my own personal view is is that he doesn't need legislative action uh, as the chief law enforcement officer of his state. He's already got a U.S. and a state constitution that affirms the right to life, not to mention the fact that he's got the law of God, which commands him to rescue those being led away to destruction. So, but I can understand his reticence at, at taking that tack, lest he come across as a demigod or ruling as, a, you know, an imperial, you know, uh, a, um, you know, a dictator or something like that. Now, I, I, it's a big, to me, it's a big if, that they would present that bill and put it on his desk. Now, that's where his second that's where his second strategy comes in where he basically shames them into doing it. Uh, in effect, uh, yeah, that's, that's but again, he, he did say, look, he's Oh, you know, go ahead, sorry. But, you know, the thing that's concerned me is that from what I gather and I, I wasn't there, but that the majority of people that were at the rally were not Oklahoma voters. Uh, this is, in my opinion, and again, this is not to bring any discredit upon Dan or to marginalize the efforts of uh, of any people working in his campaign so diligently and faithfully and selflessly. God is not constrained to say by many or by few, but it's a long shot, humanly speaking. And... Uh, I think it's an important election because uh, the courts need to be defied. They they need to have someone stand up to the schoolyard bully and knock the chip off his shoulder. And uh, and frankly, uh, if it ever gets to the point where Dan Fisher is able to sign a bill like that. Everything that happened up to that point will seem simple compared to what's going to happen after that, because the real issue will be when uh, U.S. 
uh, alphabet crime syndicate agencies and bureaus and departments start threatening to pull funds from the state of Oklahoma. It's going to take some major cojones. It's going to take, it's going to take to, uh, to resist at that point. And, and it, but it's a shot across the bow. You've got to take it. And, and, uh, and, and now again, I want to, I want to mention, and, and again, and not, not, uh, overlooking the fact that in South Carolina, where I'm sitting right now, there's a personhood bill. Now, again, I think it's uh, it's kind of abolitionist light, but then again, I don't, but they got a different act. Uh, there, I don't yeah. think they've got, with McMaster's, I think he's a pragmatic uh, governor. I yeah. don't know that he has got near the resolve or, or conviction that a Dan Fisher does by any stretch. So, uh, the biggest issue is is that abor- abortion will end when the people want it to end. Whether Dan Fisher as a leader, and he is a, you know, I, the people don't want it to end. That's why we have it. And um, so I, you know, I don't know. It's it's we're all going to be watching it, but he's up against some big money candidates. The mayor of Oklahoma City and some other people and, you know, attorney generals and lieutenant governors. So it's um, obviously they're going to brand him as a as a a, as a one trick pony. Um, But anyway, it's the best shot we have at this point. But I would would say if if you want a war room practical application, fast and pray. Uh, Amen. You know, we can't you know, um, And I will, uh, you know, look, at the, at the end of the day, I got to, I got to spend about um, a half an hour with Dan Fisher. Uh, he, you know, he, he talked to Joe Salant for a half an hour, um, told, gave me his personal cell phone number, said he would come on, you know, Recon Radio to discuss the other aspects of the platform. Completely agreed with me that child sacrifice doesn't start and end with abortion. Um, you know, this, this is a man with a backbone. He is a man of God. And, uh, I mean, nothing like, you know, Hey, you know, we're at the end of the day, I'm not about appealing to the Supreme court and trying to say whether, uh, you know, trying to put it up for debate as to whether an image bearer of God is a person or not. To me, that's not even part of the game. To me, this is it. This is the biggest. And T Russell Hunter said this, this is the biggest kind of quad fold that we have. This campaign is just a giant uh, abolitionist quadfold going throughout the culture. What happens is up to God. It's up to us to stand and to do what's right. Do we think this is going to win? Um, I don't know. I'm still you, waiting. You said it yourself. I'm still like, look, culture is religion externalized. It, do, do the people of Oklahoma yeah, really want abortion to end? Do the people of Oklahoma really want to give child sacrifice up? Probably not. But, but at the Joe? end of the day... I mean, this is a man, I believe, look, when I'm looking at this platform, when I look at his, um, his strategy to end abortion, I believe if number one, if, if, if he was to be governor, and number one, he called this special session, and they did not, uh, they didn't put that bill on his desk, I think he would be good to his word, he would go, he would campaign in their districts, and then I also think he would be a man who would be open to listen to cats that say, look, 
scrap that. Let's go with the law of God approach. Let's go with the fact that it is already on the books that the individual image bearer of God should be protected against murder, no matter where they are. Um, and I think that I think he would he would quickly adapt and he wouldn't leave that seat after spending a half an hour with this guy. And I'll be going back up to Oklahoma to interview him live for the war room. Uh, I don't believe that this is a guy going up there. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. But I do not believe that this is a guy that would be limited to this plan if this plan didn't 100 percent fall into place. Uh, if, if these Republican pro-life politicians didn't actually do what they were supposed to do. Now, uh, let's let's welcome some people who are on the live audience here. And if you all have any questions, please put them up. Uh Oh, my man, uh, my man, Kevin Craig is watching. What's up, brother? Hey, Kevin had some awesome stuff on immigration. Uh, I saw him battling on the Reconstructionist Radio Facebook thread. Definitely go check that out. That was fire, brother. We appreciate that, man. Really, I always look out for your contributions, man. You're, you're, you're a sharp dude. Got Susan Holmes, got Rory Fry, Robert Dirksen, my man. Hey, Robert, will be up at my house this Sunday um, if you want to roll. Sean Kellum, my brother. It was great to meet you the first time. Aiden McGuire, Jason and Ann Martin, Callie, of course, Valerie Mintz, Ford Schwartz, Elena Marie, Ashley Nicole. What's up, sister? Katie Davis, I missed you up there. Dan Knott, Patty. Oh, what's up, sister? Uh, we, we, we def I know y'all are going to storm the gates out there at the Shepherds Conference. Uh, Thomas Lowry, what's up, brother? Shelby Lou. What's up, Shelby and Nancy, Katie, uh, uh, Arthur Diaz, and uh, yeah. So, look, I appreciate y'all tuning yeah, let's in get on to this uh, special episode of the business. War Room. Go ahead, brother. Let's get on with some other business. Uh, Want to get on with some other business? Not to not to move off of abolishing abortion. Uh, do donate. Uh, they need they need financing. There, you know, um, and then really do pray. I mean, I think. Uh, when is the uh, when is the uh, primary? When's the runoff, Joe? Do you remember? I uh, I'll I'll bring it up. I I don't know the exact date, unfortunately. I'm uh okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I'm sort of. I do know that, that April twenty eighth. If anyone knows where the primary is, down there. Uh, uh, April twenty eighth. In uh, Waco, Texas, 3400 MacArthur Drive, we are going to be having our next uh, confab for Reconstructionists and Abolitionists uh, in Texas. And uh, it welcome, open to anybody else who wants to attend. Be at Jason San, it'll be at uh, Casa Sanchez. Had a great time uh, this last time. That'll be coming up. Uh, one of the things we meant to talk about before, I don't know how many of y'all caught uh, what I've considered probably one of the most exciting uh, interviews I I did last year, and we we meant to talk about it at year end, and that was just uh encourage you to check out uh, Sunday at Elijah from uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, that guy is a phenom. Um, I, I consider him probably to be the most significant personality on the face of the planet right now for Christian Reconstruction, and he's not even self-consciously aware of what to call what he's doing. 
guy pastors the largest congregation in Europe, over 35,000 people. million professions of faith, 42,000 people delivered from drug and alcohol addiction. They've created 300 millionaires in their congregation, so they don't have any problem. We, that's, we, we need to reach out to Sunday and see if they can spot us some money to help the Fisher campaign. But uh, seriously, check that out if you, if you haven't. Uh, we're, we're in the process of narrating one or two of his books um, on uh, Reconstructionist Radio will be coming out. We've got some other interesting stuff. Also interesting, we've been reaching out, uh, had a chance to talk with um, uh, Alan Bailey up in Washington State, lives on at the foot of Mount Rainier. A guy comes from a, 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 a Church of Christ background, and yet he started reading Rush Dooney in North and been listening to Acts to the Root, and um, the guy's a Reconstructionist. He's one of us, and coming out of a sort of a, sect, a sectarian uh, point of view that's got some unusual distinctions, and yet uh, he's all about the kingdom. He's all about the law of God, and he's all about you know gospel victory. Uh, so that's you know we are trying to build bridges. Uh, if if those people have been following Facebook, and by the way, y'all need to pray that Reconstructionist Radio is still on the air a year from now. The way these social media um, organizations have been coming after believers and uh, and um, points of view that don't that don't comport with their agenda have been getting the acts getting censored big time. So we need to pray that uh, first to reach out to the people that you care about uh, in ways other than social media. You need to have email addresses, phone numbers. If you're not on the uh, Reconstructionist meetup group that Jordan Wilson started, you need to get on that thing. And uh, and you need, because if social media goes down, it's going to be a real challenge to communicate and network. Uh, that's pretty tactical. Um, what's on the top of your brain, Joe? Okay, well, well, what we had um, going on, and first of all, do I, um, let me see here real quick. Who, who did I have that was up there that can give us a live report that can come on on a cell phone? Um, do I have anybody, first one in the comment section that actually did activism in Oklahoma City that would like to join the podcast right now live in the audience, go ahead and give me a comment. I see, uh, uh, I see, I see Jet was up there. Um, I do see who else? Aiden, you were up there. I know Katie was up there. If any of y'all want to come on and give us a live boots on the ground report of what went on with the activism up there, saw a lot of this stuff that went on. You want to give us a firsthand testimony? Please go ahead and, and raise your hand right now in the comment section because uh, I can bring you on this live feed. I just don't want to put you on the spot. Um, proposition seven. <coughs> On the Republican Party of the Texas primary ballot, uh, that happened. The voting was the voting was yesterday, and I got to go out to the polls with uh, with Todd Bullis and Matt Tringali, 
and uh, agitate a little bit and um, and get signatures for propositions uh, for Proposition Seven. And what Proposition Seven was, it's a simple thing now. It's just should abortion be abolished in Texas, or should it not? Should ab- abortion be abolished as murder in Texas, or should should abolition be on the Republican Party platform? Overwhelmingly. Proposition 7 passed. Uh, Reconstructionist radio founder Jason Sanchez, Colin Gunn, uh, the the guru behind indoctrination, smasher of the indoctrination, said the humanistic incubation centers down at Waco did a wonderful job going out to the polls, getting signatures. I know Wesley and Bradley were doing work out there in uh, in the Capitol. uh, and uh, you know, all, all, all the way around Texas, there was agitation going on. And we were getting these signatures, and this Proposition 7 passed overwhelmingly. So it is on the Republican platform for this session. Uh, abolition is what should, be, what should happen. And HB 948, again, is going to be brought up by Representative Tony Tenderholt. And for y'all that don't know, HB 948 is a bill that criminalizes abortion as murder. And last year, HB 948 was blocked by none other, blocked by none other than Byron Cook, the destroyer of abolition bills uh, in, in tech. He wouldn't he wouldn't bring it up uh, in the in the Texas House. So it didn't even get a hearing. But go ahead and look at HB 948 and HB 948 is going to get uh, another go around. And Texas, the state that has 70,000 pastors, that has over 30,000 churches, that is like fifth or sixth or, or, or higher in the nation in child sacrifice of abortion, is going to get an opportunity to put its ministry industrial complex to the test as to whether these Christians in Texas are serious about this or not. Because it is on the platform. And so that was actually a very big victory, Proposition 7. I think, Bill, it's a very important thing for, for believers, for, for, for especially those, those who have eyes open in this time of darkness right now, who God has granted illumination in this time of darkness to start looking at victory a little bit differently, brother. We need to start seeing victory as getting people, getting getting the actual record straight to expose the darkness to to look getting this on the on the republican platform getting the, getting abolition on the platform is a huge sheep in the goats type of moment is a huge wheat in the tares type of moment it's where it's like it's already on the platform you have no excuse this is what the people of texas want this is what the well, christians but, but in texas want right not, not to be. So if judgment's going to fall, not to right? Be, if judgment's going to fall, it's going to clear. The, go ahead. Well, again, that's a top-down approach, go though. Ahead. You know, and and we're and, and say we believe that reformation starts with regeneration and moves into reconstruction from the bottom up. Now, I'll take it any way it comes. Uh, you know, in Josiah's revival. You know, he was the leader and a strong leader sometimes is all it will take. You know, people will follow a leader. And, of course, as you already mentioned, uh, Dan Fisher is a leader. Uh, the, the issue, it seems to me, is to get, is even talking with the people here in the Personhood Initiative in South Carolina, Dr. Matt Clark said that they're getting 
very little play from the pulpits. They're just not getting the support from the 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 the, uh, the local churches. And so the question is, is tactically, you know, how do nobody likes being corrected? And when you've got the August uh, group of of elders together with all of their um, pomp and circumstance, our their collective uh, theological degrees are their uh, 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 reputation on the line. And you got some Nathan that they don't know walking off the street and says, you need to repent. Nobody likes that. And, um, and of course, nobody needs to hear it more than the local church. I, I'm wondering is, you know, you get it on the platform, uh, you put forth legislation, but when the people begin to demand it, then yeah. presumably that's when the legislators begin to deliver it. And so, um, well, yeah, I mean, I and, really and you're right. It is bottom up. It's not top down. It's not top down. What I'm saying is so, that this is this is we we have we have set the standard. At least at least the 300, at least those who have not bowed the knee, have set the standard according to the law of God. Now, whether the people of God do what they're supposed to do or whether they sit in their little 501c3 ghettos and toss their money to a pro-life candidate or pro-life program, that's going to be determined upon the sovereignty of God and where, obviously, the hearts of the people are. And if this – look, if if the hearts of the people are in the wrong place, which it certainly looks like, HB 948 doesn't have a chance. Joe, let me finish my thought. Oh, sorry uh, the, about that. We've got to get a whole. We, we've got to get good at building relationships. You know uh, what I'm getting at is that I, I don't think there's anything more vital to abolishing abortion seriously than the Church Repent Project. I, I don't think there's anything that that abolitionists can do that's more important than waking up the body of Christ. Uh, if the body of Christ rose up as one man, it'd be over. Uh, so obviously we either keep using the approach we've been using, or we adapt, we adjust, we improvise. I would submit that we, we really need to get good at building relationships because people listen to their friends. That's just my, that's just my, that's just my two cents. Oh no! Amen, hundred percent. And uh, that uh, that little clip about church repent—I mean, that's right there. That's the whole thing. The, the whole—I mean, regardless of what you think about abolitionists standing outside of religious clubs or churches or whatever the case may be, whether it's a good church or religious club, whatever you think about that, there is there is no debate. I've never heard anybody say, "Well, it's really not the obligation of the church to end evil." Everyone, everyone with a you know a half of a theological atom in their brain understands that. So why isn't it happening? It isn't happening because it's not happening at the church level. The churches have a different program than the program of God in the culture. And that's plain and simple. And so that's what church repent is about. No matter how you want to get, you know, have it come from your session of elders, have it come from wherever it's supposed to come from. This message is real. The church must repent. And so if we stop focusing on whether this is a good tactic or that's a good tactic or whatever the case may be, and we got on our knees, we were talking about prayerlessness earlier in our 
in our pre-show meeting, uh, Bill, if we got on our knees and really called down the fire of heaven upon the heart, at the end of the day, this is a bride of Christ issue. If we, if the bride of Christ well, does not open her eyes, the covenantal sanctions of Deuteronomy 28 are going to fall on this land worse than 70 AD. And you better believe that. You better believe that. I mean, prayerlessness. So church repent, right? Prayerlessness is, yeah, prayerlessness, by the way. And when we have our prayer opportunities on Tuesdays and Thursdays, y'all need to start taking those seriously. Hopefully you're praying for all these things in your own devotional life. But prayerlessness is an idolatry issue. It's a first commandment issue. If we think we can do it alone, if we, can, if we think we can do it without God, the Holy Spirit, then we're basically substituting ourselves and our abilities for God, the Holy Spirit, and that's an idolatry issue. So prayerlessness is sin, frankly. Uh, but while we're talking about church repent, I want to talk about reconstructionist repent. Because, because right now we've got lines being drawn. I see it on the Facebook threads. I see it between people who value a certain ecclesiastical tradition versus those of us who are, you know, neo-reconstructionists. Some of them call us deconstructionists, lone rangers, whatever. They think that we hate the church because we don't uh, <laughs> think that. Uh, membership in a local church is mandatory for salvation, whatever your view is on that. And I'm hearing, and what's happening is the only thing that worse for for us than being Reconstructionists who don't have the proper ecclesiology is that we also uh, uh, are, are uh, make common cause with abolitionists. And when I hear Reconstructionists that I respect, uh, uh, you know, take shots at abolitionists because that's that's straight up sectarianism, and so if if you got it, if you if you refuse to use the word abolish abortion because you think that's and you're going to continue to use the term pro life and you you know all the arguments, uh, then you need to repent of that stuff. Uh, and I could name some names, uh, and you know R.J. Hoyle. This ain't the powder room. This is the war room. And um, so I would say I saw that tonight. Up, an abolitionist, no, that's baloney, man. You know, uh, you want to end abortion or not? You want to play around with it for another forty-five years? Uh, and and guys, we don't have a problem if you want to do exclusive somnity, if you want to 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 do the Lord's Supper any way you do it, if you want to sing out of the Trinity hymnal, if. We don't care about your ecclesiology. What we care about is your orthopraxy. You know, we got a war going on here, and we need all hands on deck. So mission mm. before your preferences. Mission comes first. Yeah. If we don't, yeah. if we don't yeah. win this one, it's all over. All the chips are riding on abolishing abortion. This bringing down the judgment of God, the blood guilt. If, if we don't, if we don't combine forces to defeat this enemy, and put our ecclesiastical preferences aside, then we're toast. You know, man, I, yeah, you've been on, you've been on fire on Facebook lately, big dog, a hundred percent. 
Uh, go check Bill Evans' Facebook uh, timeline. I mean, I have it brought up right here. I could go over a few things. I will in a second. Um, you just touched on something that was really important, this whole pro-life abolitionist distinction. Uh, John Andrew Reisner on a, late, on, a, on a post brought up something that was very important. One of the things that we hear a lot today is how the abolitionists of the 18th century were all Unitarians and they were all kind of humanistic and whatnot. And, you know, to the extent that that's true, it's certainly overblown. Um, and but let's just say it was true. Let's just say that the really good theologians were in the South and that they just had the issue of slavery wrong, um, hypothetically speaking. Um, and that the abolitionists were all humanists, which isn't the case at all. John, Andrew, Check out uh, John Andrew Reasoner's uh, Facebook uh, timeline. He has some good stuff on that. Today, it's the complete opposite. What you see today with the pro-life movement is 100% humanistic. 100%. I mean, the most radical portions of the pro-life movement are is the personhood section. And that personhood section, the reason why they call themselves personhood is because of the language in 1973 of the humanistic Supreme Court. It's Henry Blackman's ruling, if the child, if the baby could be said to be a person. So the whole personhood amendment is based off of this Republican tyrant nominated by Nixon. You're going to take his language in the Supreme Court ruling and appeal to this Moloch state court and say, oh, we can prove it's a person, sir. Oh, yes, master. It's a person. I, I'm, I'm totally against it. I was against that even when I was a compromised pro-life professional. I was like, come on, man. If we're going to compromise, let's at least compromise for something we could win. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you. So this pro-life movement right now is way more humanistic than any. Let me, let me say this straight. This pro-life movement today, and, and I'll challenge any, any one of y'all on here, or any you can gather any one of the personhood individuals that are, this pro-life movement today is more humanistic than anything we've seen in the 1800 abolitionist movement. And yet, today, if you look at the abolitionists today, the abolish human abortion abolitionists, you know, with the gothic symbol and all that uh, represent. Uh, or if you even look at, you know, babies are murdered here. Um, you know, you look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, Operation Save America. You look at anyone who, who could be roughly considered abolitionist today and juxtapose them against what is pro-life today. You're going to tell me that the Christians are on the pro-life side? Come on, man. The, the, the humanism in the pro-life movement today is sickening. Russia, Russia, Russia has a ban on abortions at 12 weeks and murders as many babies per capita, per, per baby, like at the rate, their murder rate is the same. Their child sacrifice rate is the same as China, China, Russian China, and Russia has a ban at 12 weeks and we have humanistic pro-life professionals humanistic pro-life professionals pushing 20-week bans. That is eight weeks after Russia. And you're going to tell me that that's the Christian position? You're going to tell me, oh, no, because in the 18th, because, I'm sorry, because in the 19th century, we had abolitionists who might have been Unitarians. Today, I'm going to identify as a pro-lifer. I'm telling you, man, you either got a hidden agenda or you got a brain cell that's not functioning. It's the truth, man. I'll debate this anytime with anyone straight up, straight up. 
Today, the, the Christian position, it is the abolitionist position. It is abolishing abortion based on the institution of the law of God. See, these pro-life bills, all they do is they take situations. See, we're like Bill Clinton. The pro-life movement is like Bill Clinton on the Republican side. That's what it is. It's Bill Clinton on the Republican side. They have their situational ethics. See, they have what they would really like to do, but if the situation calls for it, they'll bend their ethics this way. That's situational ethics. Joseph Fletcher's situational ethics. <laughs> Our situa situational ethics is the same thing. See, I know we have one baby murdered every 30 seconds, but if we can pass a law that brings it down to 27, even if it doesn't bring the law of God to bear for the image bearer of God in the, in the place of the incarnation, we will sacrifice the truth for the result. And we do our mathematics and we do our calculations and we have our humanistic attempt to end humanism. And that's the pro-life movement today. And the most stalwart, the most, the most boots on the ground, the most uncompromising sector of the pro-life movement is the personhood movement. You see it in South Carolina. Um, I don't know who else is involved in that. RJ, man, I, you're, you're a good brother, man. <clears throat> uh, an impressive young man. Uh, and, and I appreciate you, man, a knowledgeable young dude. So no disrespect whatsoever. Enjoyed our conversations. This personhood thing, come on, dog. <laughs> I mean, straight up. Why would you appeal to Harry hey, Johnson, man? I mean, at the end of the day, why would hey. you do it? <laughs> yeah. Joe, you uh, you think much, you think at a much deeper and more complex and in, insightful level when it comes to the distinctions between pro-life and abolition and uh, the intrusion of humanistic uh, approaches to dealing with the, this Holocaust than most people. I mean, you, you uh, and, and, and people who have been in this battle for a long time have, have, have sharpened their thinking and their understanding. And so if, if you don't necessarily hang and follow everything that Joel Joe or Russell or these guys are saying, just just trust them and follow their lead. I want to say one thing real quick, and then I want to bug out. And, Joe, you're welcome to continue. That is, you know, so at some point sure. in time in, 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 in near <coughs> church history, Cato Baptist and Credo Baptist formed a, you know, they, they went, they, they, they signed a truce. And they decided that they were not going to disfellowship one another over the views they held on baptism, whether it was credo or pedo. And so now, you know, you've got the, 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 the you know, Reformed Baptists and Reformed uh, and Presbyterians and Reformed Independents are able to, you know, celebrate their Calvinism or whatever it is they're celebrating. <clears throat> but there is, there there, the, there is a battle line still drawn, and it seems to, you know, for a while it kind of calms down and it comes back, and that's the line between people who are liturgists are liturgically oriented and those who are sectarian minimalists, the people that are that really are important, that, that think that local church membership is everything. And those who think, eh, I'm okay with it, but I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. 
Uh, you got the people who think the cessationists versus the continuationists. I can tell you, we're not going to end abortion or we're not going to reconstruct much else of anything else with just simply form without spirit. You, you know, what we need is not more organization. What we need is more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and fire. And um, so I'm going to urge people, you know, to seriously consider tabling your butthurt over uh, whether or not the, this brother believes in the gifts or whether this brother believes that we ought to be uh, singing exclusively from the Psalter or whether this guy likes Bo Marinoff or whether this guy thinks he's a, you know, hates the church. We need to cool all that stuff because we've got to work together. Again, this is an all hands on deck situation. And, and, uh, and we, and we got to, we're, we're members of one body, man. This is Christianity 101. And, uh, so, and, and look, Bo needs to become more sanctified in avoiding certain trigger words like calling people moron and and, and, and idiot, in my opinion. And I love Bo. I, I take a book from Bo <laughs> you know, six days a week and twice on Sunday. But, but, and, and, and people got to get over their, their, their sensitivity. I mean, whatever the church has been doing for the last 400 years, it ain't been work. Well, let's say the last hundred years, it hasn't been working and repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. So, come on. uh, there needs to be a serious shakeup. You've heard me say it before. Everybody likes to use the moniker Semper Reformanda, but they always think it's the other guy that needs to be reformed, uh, it, more reformed. You're all right. It's just the other guy that need, needs to be it. So, guys, we need to make peace. I mean, the, the silliness between, you know, I'm about over my concern about Apologia and AHA. That's yesterday's news. We got, we've got war breaking out here in our Facebook threads of people who think that uh, that Reconstructionist Radio represents some dangerous heterodoxy or heresy. And that's ridiculous. So, guys, we're brothers in Christ. We don't, you know, we accept you. We ask you to accept us. And let's, let's save our, our, our uh, fire for the enemy and not, and not be engaged in friendly fire. That's all I got to say about that. Hold on now. Uh, before you go, um, look, I, I think, I mean, there's something really important there. Um, you know, this, this, this divide on ecclesiology is, is really big because, I mean, both camps can't be correct. I mean, it, it, either, it either is a decentralized approach or it is a top-down approach. And it's one or the other. And um, and it's like, you know, these camps are the ones in Christendom, like in our culture, that have all the other things kind of right in it online, but online. But this is kind of the one area of huge disagreement. And it's very big because uh, it's, it's basically the locus of how the body does things. 
I mean, does it come from the pastor and the elders? No, or, or right is forward. It basically the congregation going out, right? You know, I mean, no, the way forward is not backward. The way forward is not backward. You know, we haven't seen reconstruction on a culture-wide basis before. Since maybe a few, a few isolated seasons in history. But we haven't seen it, which tells me that when it comes, it's going to come from something we haven't seen before. Now, I'm not talking about new revelation. I'm thinking about new illumination. And so, guys, don't fear change. We're not changing the scripture. We're not adding books to the Bible. We're not taking books out of the Bible. We're exegeting the Bible differently, and we all have the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to, I think we need to be looking for something we haven't seen before if we want results we haven't seen before. And so for these guys that think we just got to go back to these tried, these, these, these traditional perspectives and just somehow do it better. And if we just do it long enough that some, there's going to be a breakthrough. I think the breakthrough is going to be when God shows us something that we have not seen. Amen. So hey, if y'all have a question, Bill's about to leave and then I'll wrap us up. Uh, if y'all have a question for Bill, Bill, take questions for the next about two minutes real quick. Let me go ahead and uh, check on my son, and then I'll be back to close us out with the rest of the audience. Well, I'd be surprised if anybody's got anything they want to ask me, unless they want to ask me about Ruger or something. Uh, but listen, I appreciate the opportunity when I get to meet y'all. Um, uh, you know, I want to give you know shout out to a lot of the uh, one of the things we really want to cover more in the upcoming war rooms we really want to talk about natural health we want to talk about the 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 solutions that god has put here in creation for us to be healthy wealthy and wise you know the scripture says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness and so we need to look for those things everybody's sick i want to, uh, we have a, a lot of uh, christian reconstructionist families that are part of a sort of a homesteading, homeschool movement. They're, 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 they're seeking to live more independent lifestyles, less dependent upon government and existing systems. Uh, if you haven't seen uh, Beyond Off Grid with Jason Matthias, Mike Brabo and some other brothers, Noah Sanders, Jeffrey Botkin, uh, Michael Bunker, you ought to check that out, Beyond Off Grid. Uh, we want to get into the naturopathy and some of the, and, and, and uh, also want to give a shout out to uh, Joe Graham and the reconstructionists up there in the Northwest are having a big shindig at the end of June. It's going to be on dominion through business and entrepreneurial activity uh, that's focused on the family. And um, we want to also uh, give a shout out to, uh, uh, Robert and, and and Andrea with their new podcast. Uh, 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 what about uh, out of the question? So uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm about done. I've been up early, early. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, thanks, Bill. Look, I'll go ahead and wrap up with our live audience right here. Um. Thanks for uh, bearing with me tonight and uh, dealing with my late start time here.
Uh, love you, dog. Um, hey, uh, I'll, I'll catch you later, big homie. Say goodbye to Bill, everyone. All right. So, look, I think one of the things that Bill said that was really important when we were discussing about the about the uh, abolition of abortion in Oklahoma with the Dan Fisher Texas to get the abolition of abortion on the uh, Republican platform is that this is not a top-down approach. Uh, bless you, Amy. Um, uh, thank you for your comments. They were right on the money. Um, this is this is not a, this is not a this is not a top-down approach now. This is bottom up. So whatever is going on politically, if it does not represent what is going on in the hearts of the people, it's not going to come to pass. And if the church is, if the if the if the body of Christ is not getting out there in the culture and doing what the body of Christ needs to do to put the boots on the ground and to demonstrate what the law of God looks like in action, it just is not going to happen. And that this just isn't about agitating and, and getting out there with the bullhorns and the quad folds and all of that. It's about starting businesses. It's about providing for the culture. It's about providing for the pagan stuff that they can't get anywhere else but us. It's about being excellent in every single area of life. It's about providing education so that the humanistic incubation centers aren't the ones that are gathering up these kids. <coughs> Every Christian church with the means to do, show, do so should be educating the pagans. Every single area, it's about business. Entrepreneurs, we are the ones extra. It's the dominion mandate, the dominion covenant. We're the ones supposed to be, that are supposed to be subduing the earth. Science doesn't make sense without God. Um, so we are the ones that are supposed to be providing these things as the body of Christ. If we don't provide for these women... If we're not the ones that are out there, we should be catching these women before they even get to the murder mills. They should know every woman who is who is uh, who who is pregnant, um, who is, should already know that they can go to the Christians in their area for help. They should already know that they should be that should be a given. But because our lampstand isn't lit, it's not, and we're not even at the final lines to stop them from killing. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're babies. They're image bearers of God. So this is kind of a, this is, this is a bottom up approach. We need to get our boots on the ground, get out there into the culture and start acting as if Jesus is king in every single sphere of life, whether it's business, whether it's education, whether it's law enforcement, I mean, do you, do you realize that we basically just let law enforcement run around willy-nilly enforcing executive things that have nothing to do with the law of God without a single utterance of protest in the churches? Do you, do you realize that we pay tax dollars for police to stand outside of abortion mills to guard the babies that get slaughtered one every 30 seconds in this country? Do you realize that? And we have no problem with it. You know, thin blue line, right? What Thin blue line right around the child sacrifice centers. That's for sure. You know, when we go out and do Project Frontlines as abolitionists, and I'm going to take questions in the, uh, in the comment section in a second. When we go out there and do Project Frontlines at the humanistic incubation centers, and the teachers come out, and they, ask, uh, they, they say, look, you know, you're out here with these signs. We go out there with the, with the signs of the abortion victims. Uh, 
Hey, one second real quick. Before you go, John, do you want to come on real quick? You want to come on the war room or no? You got time right now or not? Jonathan Noyes, my man. One of my best friends out there, pastor, one of the few pastors that will stand. He's out there in the Newberry Park. You got time for us or not? You want to come on? All right, not getting a response right there. He's probably he's probably out. Um, we'll get you next time, brother. Um, well, anyway, yeah, these these teachers, when they come out there, they're they're basically telling us, look, uh, oh, you got time, all right? Cool. Let's 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 bring you on here real quick. Uh, let's see here. Dang, why can I not? I can't get anybody. This is strange. All right, I have to get my media skills on because it was just like Cali. I couldn't bring anyone on that is not on. I guess it must be an iPhone or something. I don't know. I don't worry about it, John. Next time we'll we'll, we'll bring you on, big dog. All right. Um, we'll bring you on. I'm sorry about that. I can't bring you on the live audience for some reason. Um, uh, it must be. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Oh, wait a second. I got Cal. I can bring Callie on. So hold on. Stay stay there for a second, Callie. Callie. Let me put you on the spot right now. I'm going to add you on to the. I'm going to add you on to the live feed. Um, when these when these teachers come out, they're saying, "Look, we allow Planned Parenthood in the school." <laughs> We allow Planned Parenthood in the school, but y'all, you don't cross this line. Why is it that Planned Parenthood has access in these facilities and Christians do not have access in these facilities? Well, I'll tell you why. Because these facilities are basically temples of child sacrifice, where the brains of the rising generation are inculcated with the religion of secular humanism. It's, it's not neutral. It's not neutral at all. And so the the we're the opposition. And so if we're going to be the opposition, we better we better be the opposition. We better get out there. Callie, what's up, brother? What's up? It's great to great to have you. Welcome to the war room. This is not your official war room appearance, but welcome to the war room, my brother. Callie, how you doing, Pastor Murray, Callie? What's up? Well, another pastor that stands, man. Another huge encouragement. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Hey, in Texas, hand these out. Deals That's with the resolution and all here. the Prop 7 stuff. Beautiful. Hey, so were you, uh, um, tell us a little bit about what happened out there in Oklahoma, brother. How was it out there doing the activism and all that? It was good. It was good to see everybody and meet everybody and just uh, go out and preach with people and, you know, do our thing. Street preach, talk to college kids hand out literature, you know, just try to talk to people, drop card everywhere you go. Okay. It was a good time. Awesome. So y'all went out. Where did you go when you were out there? So I know that when did you get out there? I, I left on Friday, but so we got out about Friday and Saturday. When did you go? I got there Sunday at midnight because I had obligations. I serve my church, you know, so I, I, I'm a servant of the church and not lord over the church so i've got obligations to my local body and so we weren't able to get up there till uh sunday night but uh it was good we went out to osu and hit the streets and went out to the middle of nowhere oklahoma small towns of 2000 whatever and try to talk to people and hand out literature and stuff it was good 
That's awesome. That that is really great. So how how many how many of y'all were out there? I mean, did you have how many teams did you have out there storming the streets preaching the gospel, bringing the message of the abolition of abortion based on the gospel? How how many teams did y'all have? Or did y'all all go in like one pack? No, I think there were like three or four teams of about thirty. So by the time I got there, uh, you know, the rally was over. So we were down to about a hundred and fifty or so abolitionists that were out on the streets. So, but the last day when we went to the clinic, uh, there was probably about 75, 100 abolitionists out at the clinic. So that was, that was really good to see that many people out on the street in front of the clinic that, and they, they called and canceled all the appointments that day. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. That's what I, yeah, that's what I heard. So are you telling me, look, Pastor Cal. Are you telling me that if we had Christians, if we had a hundred and whatever, if we had a hundred and uh, let me fix my camera here. If we had a hundred and thirty Christians outside of an abortion mill that they will cancel their services or services or whatever their, their sacrifice, they will, the sacrifice. It, it is their, that, that is their worship service. It, that, that is the yeah. humanistic worship service. You, you know, if, yeah. if churches sent 1%, a day out there. How many Christians do we have in our country? You know what I mean? If in these cities, 1% of their congregation went out there, you couldn't even get up to the door, you know? Mm. Mm. You know, it's ridiculous. 80 million so-called evangelical Christians I know that number because I used to travel with a group across the country trying to get pastors to vote Republican before I repented of trying to end humanism with humanism. And what happened is that we actually have, I mean, literally a a whole abortion mill shut down their services because because the 130 Christians out there, we could easily tomorrow with eight. Look, let's just say we had one million. Let's say we have one million Christians in the United States willing to do this. Tomorrow, we yeah. could have every abortion mill shut down. But you know the battle is not going to be won at the, at the clinics. You, you know that that is, I mean, we need more Christians there. Please, Christians, go. But you know that's not where the battle is actually going to be won. You know the battle is going to be won out on the streets, Christians engaging culture, Christians standing up and being Christians wherever God has placed them. That's where the battle is going to be won. It's not at the clinics where they kill them. That's just the terminus. We're going to win the battle by being Christians where God has placed us and in everyday conversation, whether you are Whatever your vocation is, when you stop tolerating the humanistic point of view of you can keep your Christianity, just keep it to yourself. When we stop doing that, that's where the battle is going to be won, you you know. But please, come out to the clinics. We need more people out there. We need people at the schools, at the colleges. But more importantly, wherever God has placed you be a Christian, be the salt and light, and expose the sin. You know what I mean? Amen. Oh, a- amen, straight up. Look, let me ask you something real quick. You had an awesome debate um, where you were um, 
because and the reason why I'm asking you this now is because I have you live and just just in case we don't get this again, I want to ask you about this debate and I want you to give a reference for people to be able to go ahead and go check this out because I think you did an absolutely fantastic, fabulous job. And the other reason I'm bringing this up now is because the next time you come on, I'd like to be I would like to talk about some more tactics that are going on right now because this debate was actually a while ago. Um, summarize this debate, Callie. You had a it looked like a somebody who was well connected with the Republican Party in the in Texas, part of the kind of pro-life establishment. Right. And where can people go and see you use the gospel of the kingdom of God against these humanistic approaches that was brought by this pastor, uh, pro-life movement representative, kind of Republican Party establishment type of guy? Where can right. people go to see this debate and give us some commentary on on this debate, Pastor? Yeah, it, it, it's on YouTube. I'll tell you what, um, when we get off, I'll, I'll post it on my timeline, but it's on YouTube. Um, it, it's not my YouTube channel. It's a friend of mine. What had happened was, for some reason, the Southern Baptist local uh, association keeps letting me come and speak to their pastors over and over again, which is amazing. It's a, it's a great privilege that I have, and it's been great. I was trying to get the pastors to join with me to write postcards to Byron Cook during the, the whole HB948 debacle. And uh, everybody was on board except for this one pastor, which was this guy. And so... He went crazy during my presentation, and uh, we decided to do a debate on this, and and we did, and uh, I, I thought the debate went well. I'm more prepared now than I was then, but uh, I think overall it went well. Um, I'll post a link to it. Was it was fire. It was fire. Yeah, it was I, fire. You did very well. I'm not during, yeah, during the question and answer portion. I answered a question wrong, and uh, I was asked whether the the governor should sign something. And uh, I, I said yes at that point, but I've I've retracted that, and I, I think he should stand on his Christian principles. I, I hadn't thought that one completely through at that point, but that's fine, bro. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, uh, no, I'll that, post that's a link. Fine, bro. We're not. I mean, I, we're all learning, you know. Yeah, man. Hey, we're the three hundred. We're the ones that God has called out, man. Like, of the whole ministry industrial complex of the uh, of the masses of this eighty million evangelical Christians. We're the one that God has given illumination in the time of darkness. And bro, it's not going to be. It's not going to be perfect, man. You're dealing right. with somebody who's probably been in the political game for you know, 20 years playing this pro-life game. Right. And here you go, you know, just, I mean, just God plucks you out of whatever you're doing, you know, equips you with knowledge, wisdom, and power, and you're up there just basically running off the power of God. And, hey, man, we're all, look, you're not going to get every question right. Dude, you smashed in that Dude, you, you know, and, and the reason and, why you smashed isn't because I agreed with your position, but because you really did, you didn't compromise and you, and you stated very clearly <laughs> The position, the biblical position against child sacrifice when it comes to abortion, and you did, and you you pointed out consistently throughout the whole debate. What I like the most 
was that every time he used pragmatism, you called it what it was. It was pragmatism. Right. You say, hey, well, that's pragmatism, and here's why it's pragmatism. I, I, and he had no response for it. You know why? Because it was pragmatism. Right. I, I think the biggest problem is we follow along the first words of the serpent. Did God really say? And and when we start going, thus says the Lord, and doing our responsibility and trusting it in God to do what God does, that's his game. You know, stand on the rock, stand on the word of God, and circumstance, who cares? You, you know, we trust in Amen. God's providence. And if this is Amen. judgment on our I country, another- then so be it. We deserve it. Straight up, you know. Look, every time, and I'm, you know, most people know that, you know, I do, I do music and stuff like that. Um, and you can check that out at reconrecords.com. All look, all the Lord's been giving me, you know, all that's been on my heart to write is songs about judgment. And it's crazy. I don't sit down to write a song about judgment. It's like that's all this. It's like boom. I look at what, and it's just the lyrics are coming out, and it's like. You know, if 70 AD happened because if, look, I mean, if, if the Civil War happened because of slavery, because of black chattel slavery, if that was our 70 AD, how much more do we have a judgment coming because of 100, 100 billion image bearers of God slaughtered on the altar of conviction? Have you how thought about the idea that abortion is the judgment for us because of our position on slavery? You know, that's a, that's an interesting, I think, yeah, I mean, I've heard it put that way. And, and yeah, I mean, I think the judgment is like an onion kind of, right? There's just layers that, I mean, what could we right. have had if we did not slaughter a whole generation, right? Right. What would, because obviously the, you know, image bearers are a blessing. When God gives you a human being to a culture, it is like the, it's like more than silver and gold. It's a blessing. Right. And so we slaughter these blessings, right? Right. What are, we, what are we with, telling God? Look at it with immigration, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You're saying, I don't want this blessing. Right. Right. We're so, saying, I don't yeah, love I mean, you in, in and essence, I don't yeah. love your image. That's what we're saying. There it is. So it's a both end. So it right. is, yeah, it, it's a both end. My, my thing is that if we say that is the judgment, then we it, it's, it's not to the exclusion of the fact that we might face a, no. uh, like a kind of a ground zero event type judgment. Right, uh, right. Where the, the the rest of the curses of Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight will come into play. This is just one of them. Right. I mean, we might see literally. I mean, do you know what would happen if our ele- electrical grid went down? I mean, I'm not. I'm not just talking about kind of, you know, uh, uh, end of days. Uh, uh, you know, preppers type stuff. Right. Right. I'm not talking about that. If our electrical grid grid went down in about a month, mothers would be eating their children in certain places. Right. Just like in 67, 66 to seventy eight days. Yeah. Um, we have some new listeners. John Andrew Reasoner, what's up, my man? Cross and Crown representing out there in Virginia. Love you, brother. Uh, got Pastor Callie, uh, Pastor Callie right now <coughs> on the war room, and he has joined us. Hey, um, can I promote my conference real quick? I, I, I saw. Well, go ahead. Oh, plug it, brother. Absolutely. Go right. ahead. So I'm I'm doing a conference in May. Fourth and fifth on the image of God, specifically the image of God that we have that's broken, the restoration in Christ, and then how does that relate to racism, sexism, gender, sexuality, and abortion? 
So check it out. I'll put links on that. Well, okay, let's get the dates one more time. Let's get the dates. When are the dates? Where is the registration? How does somebody go? What okay. is the cost? It's uh, May 4th and 5th in San Antonio. Uh, you can register at wrathandgrace.com. And it's thirty. Spell that out. Spell that out. Hold on now. Spell that out. W-R-A-T-H-A-N-D. G-R-A-C-E dot com. Okay, 30 bucks. Okay, says 30 bucks? 30 bucks. And... What if somebody doesn't have any money and they want to go? Hit me up. You got uh, financial aid? Yeah. Um, hit, hit you up. Okay. Right, hit awesome. me up. Um, the first hundred people that register get a copy of uh, Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate. Matt Trahella helped give us a couple of books. So... We're going to be giving that out. Yeah. We've got uh, shorter catechism cards that we're handing out, and uh, Operation Save, uh, Save America will be there. We've got maybe been talking to Russ Thomas on that. We've got a couple of other people that are going to be there that will have local ministries on how you can be involved locally. Because I'm not trying to send missionaries everywhere. I'm trying to get you to see what you can do where God has already placed you. You know what I mean? Praise God. Praise God. And, you know, look, um, you're one of the few that stands, Pastor, uh, out there in San Antonio. How many times a week you uh, you go out there to the murder mill? What's your what's your average week as a pastor? Speak to the pastors out there. Right on. What's your average week as a pastor look like? All right. So we live in two cities. Wednesday through Saturday, we live in San Antonio, preach at the mills, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning from like 7.30 till about noon, try to get some street evangelism in the nighttime on Fridays, come back to Victoria where I pastor a church, we have our services, teach a couple of classes throughout the week and try to do some evangelism in Victoria, so Back and forth between the two cities, that, that's, that's pretty much my week until things like Oklahoma. So, I mean, look, the, the, whole, the whole thing, the, the whole kingdom principle, right, is that he who serves leads. So anybody that's in your congregation, if, if you, if, when you're telling them, you know, to do something on Sunday morning, you're also showing them how to do it during the week. Right, so, right. If something happened to Pastor Callie, right? If something happened to Pastor Callie, if something happened to the leadership, if something happened to the elders, your your church is they're they're going to be able to get out there and they're going to be able to do what you've done. Correct? I'm, Isn't that the whole model that it, your church doesn't depend on you? Right, right. I, I would hope so. <laughs> I I hope so. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, hey, man, look, Pastor, man, you've, you've been really a, a, an inspiration for us, uh, you know, to look at. Uh, every time I turn on my Facebook, I see Callie out there in front of the murder mill. He's arguing with some Anglicans, and he's telling them, hey, we're not out here with them humanistic arguments and all that. Uh, he's always representing bringing the acts of the gospel of the kingdom of God right into the root of child sacrifice. Callie, you have any closing, uh, uh, you have a closing comment or two for us? Yeah, I do. And and I, I want to encourage everybody. We've been arguing with these Catholics for about six months every day. 
And while I was in Oklahoma, the head Catholic agitator went up to the other Christian that, that I'm there with after uh, another uh, a baby got saved because of the gospel being preached and told the Christian, hey, I want to go to church with you. I'm not ready to let the other Catholics know yet. So there is hope for everybody, whether you're a worker at an abortion mill, whether you're there to kill the baby, whether you're a Catholic, there is hope for every single person out there. So share the gospel. You never know when God's going to flip someone. Praise God. Hey, thanks so much for, uh, wow. Yeah, amen. That just hit me right there. Uh, yeah, thank, hey, look, thanks for, for coming on, for blessing us right here in the war room. I'm going to go ahead and put you on the title of this one, but we're going to bring you back on. See, the reason why I've waited so long to have Callie on the war room is because I wanted to actually do it live, not a split screen. I wanted to actually go ahead and do it live. Come down. Brother. I wanted to do it live from the front line. Yeah. You know, and I keep on like having it all lined up and then, you know, life happens or whatever. But in the providence of God, also, one more time, remind us before you go, Callie, where can we watch that debate? Can you go ahead and... Uh, and tell everybody where we can watch it on YouTube. What is it called? Uh, I don't know the title of it. I'm going to post it on my timeline here in about five minutes as soon as we get off. So, uh, I, okay. Hey, yeah, we'll drag it. We'll drag it over here too. Right on. We'll drag it over here. Post that. Post that again. I've watched it three times. I still don't know what it is. So we're probably in the same boat. Hey, love to the wife. Love to the fam. Bless you right there. Sermon in the park, uh, Pastor Callie. I love you, brother. Word, man. Later. All right, peace, man, peace. Hey, all right, so we're about to wrap this up. Uh, before I wrap it up, I do want to, I have in the, in the audience, now I don't know if he's in a place where he can go live, but um, to talk about the difference between, ab, between uh, talk about the, the, uh, the personhood strategy and talk about why it's, not, um, why it's not a biblical strategy, why it's not something that we, want, we ought to be doing. Uh, John Andrew Reasoner, uh, you've obviously written about this, uh, as you've written about basically everything that uh, that deals with uh, abolition and all that. John, are you are you in a place where you can come on live? Give me a heads up if you can come on live, John, and you can talk about this a little bit. Uh, Jar John Andrew Reasoner, uh, that would be awesome. Before we wrap it up, um, once again, this has been our first war room episode uh, in a couple of weeks here. And uh, we've had, we've chopped it up with, uh, with Bill Evans and uh, we've had pastor Callie on. We've talked about the, uh, the Dan Fisher campaign, the Dan Fisher rally that took place over the last couple of uh, uh, over uh, Friday through, uh, through Tuesday of this week. And uh, we've also talked about uh, prop seven in Texas uh, abolition of uh, uh, abolition getting on the Republican platform, and look at the end of the day, I want I want to give you all this exhortation and this encouragement. It, whatever the results are, whatever we see actually happen because of our efforts in the culture, the victory is in the obedience. When we see our life back, it's not going to be based on what the actions of others were. It's going to be, were we obedient in the moment? Did we cave? 
did we go with the 29,700 or were we part of that 300 that drank the water correctly and got to enjoy the victory against the pagans with Gideon? Were we part of that? And in order to be part of that, we have to draw the line in the sand. We have to be willing at all costs, no matter what the landscape looks like, no matter if it looks like we're going to absolutely be overrun by the Assyrians or whatever the case may be. We have to be willing to say that one plus God is a majority. And God deals with nations and individuals according to his law word. Are we going to be faithful to the covenant? We individually get blessed just like a nation gets blessed. Our individual obedience to the, to the law of God is counted as a blessing. If you look at Deuteronomy 28, that doesn't just apply to nations. That applies to individuals too. And our blessings are in our obedience. And we can't control others. But self-government starts with ourselves. So we work on ourselves. Then we work on family government. Then after that, we work on our friends. Uh, Tim Yarborough uh, is, always, uh, is always talking to me about this. Is that, look, we can't be focused on the national level and all the big things that we can't change. We have to be focused on ourselves, on our, on our families, on our immediate circle of influence. Right? We have to be, have to be, before we can be focused on anything else. Because we'll burn ourselves out focusing on what goes on in Washington, D.C. We'll burn ourselves out what goes on in the swamp or in Austin, Texas or in Norman, Oklahoma or whatever the case may be. We need to be focused on what can I do to obey the law of God? What can I do with my family to be obedient to the covenant? And in doing so, we will have the greatest victory. There's a lot of stuff going on. I want to give a shout out. Um, I want to give a shout out to you know all the Reconstructionists out there, whether you're on the Ecclesiocrat side or the Neo-Recon side. I want to give a shout out to you. My hat goes off to you. I mean, I know some of uh, some of my uh, some of my latest conversations that I've had with those who disagree with me on ecclesiology. Uh, you know, a couple of these brothers out there in Richmond, Virginia, uh, Caleb Green, Robert Hoyle. I mean, th- these are these are some sharp brothers. These and and we have some severe disagreements. I've speak I've spoken with them both. I've I've spoken extensively with R.J. Hoyle. Um, you know, real real sharp brother. You know, hats off. This is a guy who wants to demonstrate the victory of the gospel of God in every single area of life. He's an authentic brother. Um, we disagree on some stuff. I, 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 you know, whether there's going to be actual unity there or not, you know, at the end of the day, you know, who knows, but hats off. Um, look, you know, here's the thing that I can guarantee y'all war room boots on the ground. Uh, Joe Salant, I'm going to tell y'all this that even if judgment falls on this whole wicked land, the victory belongs to us if we stand in the hour of judgment. Be encouraged. The victory is in the obedience. 100%. The victory is in the obedience. It's not in the result at all. It is not in the result. It is in the obedience. With that, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. We're going to be posting this up for the war room for this week. Pull this feed, put it up, uh, unedited. 
if anybody, uh, if you find anybody that would like to uh, uh, debate me or a representative on uh, the merits of personhood strategy, uh, we feel confident that it's an important, important thing to debate. Um, that's appealing to the Moloch court. We're not about that. Please pray for the Dan Fisher campaign. Pray for the message to go out. Pray for righteousness and justice to be done. It is the foundations of the throne of God. Thank you all so much for joining. We so appreciate the support that y'all give us on these live feeds. We're going to start doing these more and more. Also pray for the effort in Texas to put the shoulder on these fake pro-life Republicans and expose them, expose the evil deeds of darkness um, and, uh, and, and make them stand on the platform of the Republican Party, which now includes the abolition of human abortion. Love y'all. Uh, big, big shout to Carl Turnmeyer, Rick Small. Rick, you were, uh, you were out there. Um, you were out there, brother, uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma. I got to meet you for the first time, man, but I've known you forever. Uh, love you, brother. Joshua Smith, love you, brother. Uh, Jason Martin, Jason and Ann Martin, y'all are awesome. Hey, awesome that you put this, uh, um, the, uh, the link for, uh, for Callie's debate up there. And hey, we're going to have this victory no matter what. Appreciate y'all. Victory is our normative state. Thank you for joining us for this war room. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the war room. Please enjoy the nation's rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.